The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. the short game the show about short video games games that respect your time i'm reagan kelly and i'm joined this week by two fantastic co-hosts laura nash and shane kelly and this week we are uh rejoining the short games coverage of if comp 2023 whenever i talk about that i always feel a little bit like i'm like like we're rejoining our our coverage of the f1 race in wherever they hold those or something like like coming back from a commercial break perfect metaphor <laughs> yes this marathon has been going on for one month and we're just checking in periodically yes um but we are we are just going to talk about a few more games that we happen to have checked out as we approach the midpoint i guess i'm honestly looking at the calendar because we're more, more towards the end than the midpoint but we're getting on through the comp um, and we played a few more games, and we're going to talk about them. Uh, and we'll plan on probably doing one additional IF Comp episode during the comp this year. It'll either be right before or right after the end of the comp, where we'll talk about a few more games and potentially uh, talk about the conclusions and voting. So if you're looking at your clock or calendar, uh, keep in mind that the voting on IF Comp 2023 ends on November 15th. Uh, so I, if you, uh, if you're trying to get your votes in, uh, you just need to play five games max, not max total at minimum, minimum is the right minimum, the opposite of max, opposite (laughs) of maximum, uh, minimum five games. And that's easy. A lot of these games will take you four minutes, you know, just check out five games at minimum and, uh, give your thoughts in the form of a numeric rating. You don't have to leave other comments, although you can, uh, and uh, then your votes will be counted. And the best thing to do is to rate them in the ballot page as you play them so that you don't forget because that, you know, that's been me. I've been like, oh, I'll I'll enter all of my thoughts at the end once I've fully figured it out. And then you don't. And so remember, put them in as you think of them. You can always go back and change them if you decide to change your mind. I actually find it useful to keep track of them in the ballot Uh, and uh, make sure you get them in by the 15th. And this week, we've got a handful of games to talk about. just a few more. The first one that I was going to talk about this week uh, was one I just wanted to briefly return to because I already talked about it last episode, last time we talked about IF Comp 2023, um, but I'd only barely started it and now I've finished it and I just thought it was worth returning to and just talking about a little bit further, even though I don't want to recap everything that I said about it. But um, Lake Adventure by BJ Best, um, so far, maybe my favorite thing I've played in the comp this year. Although there's a lot of things that I haven't played. Um, So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But BJ Best is great. Uh, And I can just say that, like, everything that I thought was, like, the promise of this game um, did pan out. Uh, I I already kind of talked about a lot of the things I liked about it. I love it's... um, I love that this is a game built to run in DOS. So it's uh, it's a game that's sort of, the sort of in-universe explanation for this game It was is that it was a sort of hobby-written game by a kid who was processing basically his sister's death um, in 1993 and updated it in small ways over the years after that. Um, and it's being played through in, in 2020 by that guy 
um, sort of side by side virtually with a coworker who happened to have a DOS machine capable of playing this old game that he dug out of a floppy on his uh, in his basement or wherever. Um, and so it's got this interesting sort of temporal weirdness to it where like, you know, parts of this game are an earnest child trying to create a game. Parts of it, you see the like the sad teen coming through that like idly updated this game. And then, you know, you also, of course, get the the backwards facing perspective of the adult who is sort of trying to process this in retrospect, while also kind of awkwardly talking about it with a coworker. <laughs> um, it's a really neat set of perspectives. Uh, it's pretty puzzle light, but it's also extremely map heavy. So this is something that could be a problem for you, which is why I like for me, I, I actually find um, just just getting my head sp- head into the space of like navigating, you know, a bunch of bunch of twisty passageways all alike, you know, is a difficult thing for me. Um, so yeah. I really appreciated that this game comes with one of the better feelies, if that's a valid word for a PDF that I've seen in a game in the comp in a long time. Um, the uh, the walkthrough PDF, which I really think is designed to just be straight up used as you're playing, unless you're like an absolute like map pervert and you want to draw your own. Shout out to our map perverts in our yeah, hell yeah, yeah. Um, this is a scan of a '90s Mead notebook that said says Eddie Hughes math on the cover. Oh, uh, and uh, and has several scanned pages of ballpoint pen combination design document and map and you can just sort of functionally use it as a map so you don't have to go through and draw your own map as you're going um the one thing that i was really like expecting and hoping for in this game and i didn't find it and i don't know if it's because i didn't look in the right places or didn't find it you know or if i or if it's just not something that was there um was there are there are little elements in this sort of design document slash map that have numbers and other information that seemed like like maybe room codes or something like that. Things that I didn't like I couldn't figure out what they were. So for example, on, on a page that lists the like uh, has the map of the area just outside the um, the like the house. Uh, that you begin the game in, there's like a part in sort of the margins at the top that says creature 501, weapon 373, time thresh, and then there's a scribble and a number six, Um, like stuff like that. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I never found it. So it's very possible that there's some like interesting aspect to this game that I completely missed. Some of the stuff that's scribbled in the margin seems to be just, you know, there for the sort of like um, sad reality of the game. There's a, a scribble in the margin that's like hospital room 241, 5 to 9 p.m., where he was clearly just keeping notes on like when he could visit his sister in the hospital, right? Mm. And that isn't exactly in the game, but it is sort of also in the game, you know? But there's there's these elements that were like, like, like that or a couple of other things that like made me think like there's there's some there's some like god mode code that I'm missing here or something that um I would have liked to explore further but it had some really lovely stuff in it so I think this is absolutely uh, a you know a game worth playing um the browser 
version is fine. If you want to boot it up in a browser, it will boot a web browser based version of DOSBox. I've poked around in that now. Uh, I hadn't last time. And it's actually really kind of cool. It's, uh, it, you know, it, you can, you know, full screen it if you want. And it gives you a really nice, like, emulated DOS computer right there in your browser. And that's probably the way I'd recommend playing it. I did install DOSBox in order to play this one, um, but I think probably the browser version is fine. So anyway, I, I just wanted to strongly recommend this. I know I talked about it last time, um, but uh, I will uh, I will strongly recommend folks check it out uh, because I think it's one of the better things I played this year uh, in the comp. Um, Laura, what have you got? Nice. Uh, well, I'm going to start off with Assembly which is a parser game about assembling Ikea furniture and also summoning portals. Uh, I think this is one of the more um, intriguing descriptions, so I'll read it real quick. Um, There's one box left at the beginning, and then, um, as I say, assembly is a story of magic and adventure. Can you assemble a small table? Can you save the world from the vengeance of ancient gods? Content warning, supernatural themes, and mild peril. Hour and a half. So dove right in. You start off in your apartment. You're in what should be your bedroom or will be once you finish assembling all of your IKEA furniture. And there's a box left, which is kind of weird because you thought you had all the furniture assembled, but why not? You start assembling it. Um, side note on plot. I, at this point, I was very happy because I was worried I had to type out all the Ikea instructions word for word. And I just, they had a link to the cheat sheet that we've seen before. I think Plotkin made it or someone, but the very simple one. So I just said like, put screws on tabletop. And then they'd be like, yes, you do the correct Ikea thing. And I was like, whoo, okay, cool. This game's going to be a lot easier than I thought it would be. You assemble your table and oh no, (laughs) what have you done? Uh, Ancient portals are awakened uh, and now your mission is completely different and you are uh, teleported to um, the wildness of an Ikea store, but empty um, with all of the peril that being in an empty big Ikea store will generate in your mind. Um, This is delightful. I... No, Reagan played this too, so I want to get your take. But I did, I did. I loved this one too. Um, I think altogether, I think this is a really clever conceit for puzzle for puzzle parser. Um, there, you know, I, I think the execution of it worked pretty well for me. Some of the puzzles were a little wonky in ways that honestly, I had to I'm not do some sure backtracking. Can, yeah, that, that I think that was on me. I didn't examine everything up front. That was my uh, thing too. Yeah, the cardinal rule. Uh, examine everything in every room just in case you need it later. You will backtrack if you do not do that. Yeah, and I missed something I, fully by accident, but that's something that that I, I would consider like a little irritation about it is like par- part of the introduction when you, once you get to the Ikea is you go through the showroom and mm-hmm. you can examine all the furniture in the showroom. Uh, and there's not I a ton not. of pieces, but there are, yeah, yeah there, if you miss any, Many of them become important later, and because like as you examine them, you learn their like very IKEA ish names for the furniture and like mm-hmm. what they are and so on. And that information you don't have to like write it down or anything, but it becomes important later. And there were some puzzles that I couldn't complete easily later in ways that were quite confusing, and I had to consult a walkthrough. Um, it does have a hint system; you can ask for hints, and it will you know it'll straight up tell you, "Hey, 
go back to the showroom and look at the lamp or whatever. And and a nice um, little um the their guide is lately IKEA themed. It's yes. supposed to look like an IKEA instruction booklet, <laughs> which I found pretty charming. But yeah. I did do a lot of backtracking because I didn't examine the thing. Um, appreciated the hints telling me that was exactly what I needed to do. Yeah. Um, but the thing that is very clever about this is like the whole like the whole um, puzzle structure around this is around building and disassembling IKEA furniture. Mm-hmm. And very so like a lot a- of yeah, and so a lot of what you need to do is like, if there's a piece of IKEA furniture in the way, you need to find the instructions and um, and Disassemble then do it. the instructions yeah. in reverse backwards. Yeah, yeah, in order to take it apart so that you can get past that kind of thing. And that's that's I think a very clever conceit for puzzles. Um, I, I also really liked the idea of uh, I saved a couple screenshots of some of the the writing early on because mm-hmm. there's uh, I really like the idea of um, of not only an IKEA, a piece of IKEA like flat furniture that is an altar to a dark god, you know, it's, but but that the instructions are a ritual tricking you into summoning it essentially, and that the idea is that like all dark god rituals they come from the north, and so they were like, well, so does IKEA. Yeah, so I, I took a couple screenshots of the of the intro text here. When you assemble the dolmen, which is the uh, the first the thing in the apartment, truly mm-hmm. uh, unsettling coffee table, it says, "Huh, that's strange. It's probably the simplest thing you've built today. Just a couple of juxtaposed fiberboard slabs, but something about it has more of a presence than you expected. You keep catching yourself staring at it from the corner of your eyes and holding your breath." You're not even sure this is meant to be a table at all now. An altar? No, that's not right. But what? And then you examine the table and it says, you have trouble not examining it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Though on the surface, there's not much to see. Just a couple of angled boards capped with a solid slab of medium density fiberboard. Something about it seems significant, though. Carefully formed like a rune in some language you only half understand. Touch table. As you reach towards the dolmen, something shifts and settles in your mind, and you understand it's not a table, but a doorway, and the door is opening. Love I, I love that. I loved this. Very funny. I mean, you know, who hasn't had the experience of like wandering through an IKEA and wondering about all of the names? And this is like a perfect explanation. Of course, IKEA is weird because it's a it's a it's a big cult to weird, you know, Swedish minimalist gods right this uh very much is reminding me of uh that horror game that came out a couple of well not even it's not that long ago uh that where you're trapped in an infinite ikea have you seen this game Mm. i don't think i have but i think i heard about it okay yeah there's a um there's a horror game called the store is closed uh where you are you are trapped in a infinitely large um ikea and being uh pursued by um evil staff um and you have to kind of craft weapons to defend yourself and and make improvised forts uh that tracks because one of the funnier uh moments earlier in this game is that you know you wander into the showroom area and the first line is um is that line from Zork that's like you, you know you're in a bunch of twisting passageways all alike and I was like that absolutely applies here as well mm-hmm. and the uh the trick with the uh with the the um 
the showroom area is that it is constantly changing. Um, you cannot navigate through it in the sort of north. You know, you can't map it. It, it randomly reconfigures itself. You just have to follow the arrows on the floor, <laughs> which <laughs> felt very IKEA to me. Yes, you would. You would walk from the south, and they'd be like, "Great, you can follow the arrows that go from east to." West, and you're like, but I came from the south. How is this happening? <laughs> um, I love it. Um, um, so yeah, I, I would say like um, theming wise, I think this is a ten out of ten. I think puzzle execution wise, I mean, I've I've played games that like you know made me feel smarter or you know felt more like smooth and polished, but on balance, I think this is a really clever like it's such a clever um theming for a parser puzzle game that it it got a lot of credit there and because it's you don't have to follow the instructions exactly word for word you can use kind of shortcutty things like i did you know put screw Mm -hmm. on table um i think it's it's a lot less irritating this could have been this could have been a disaster if you had to word perfect say Mm -hmm. every instruction back if you like this could have been so much less forgiving um so i give it a lot of props for that um, I had fun with it. I think, yeah. again, your mileage may vary. It's a lot of like, it's not, um, the main insight is you can assemble and disassemble the furniture, um, which isn't a huge insight. Personally, I've never taken anything from Ikea apart and been able to reassemble it. Uh, uh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. This, the bed behind me, uh, is going to fall apart when we boof. They were like, nope, this is not going to make it one more way. Mm. Um, it, it can happen. I I just saw, I had an Ikea bed that was like a full-size bed that um, Jamie and I bought well over a decade ago. And um, it, it eventually became our guest bed rather than our actual bed. And But we moved with it for like six. This bed six, has moved yeah, was, six, five or six times. And it's a, it's a, the reason we have it is because it's in, uh, has storage under it. And it's like not, the the outside frame is not going to make it. Everything else is, but yeah, the, we no. we finally just sold the thing because it was like you know, I I didn't feel right throwing it away, but I, I sold it for like ten bucks to somebody because I was like yeah. you know let somebody else use this thing. Maybe someday yeah. I'll live in an apartment with storage and I won't have to store things under my bed. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll have a house someday. Um, little making me happy my my birthday gift both from my wife and to myself this year was we bought a brand new bed for our master bedroom we upgraded size we went up to a king I feel like true royalty now you're never going to be able to go back every time you're in a hotel room you're going to be complaining about how dare they make me stay in a queen I'm never never going to go back Mm -hmm. I don't know if your uh, bed situation is like mine but even after upgrading to the largest bed available, I am still confined to about the six inches at the like rightmost edge, um, you know, by the pile of pillows. I am looking at floor every night. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it is having a wife. Yes. Um, <laughs> doesn't matter how small they are. They take up a lot of bed, Aww. but it's as, as it should be. Uh, works well, out fine thank for you, me. Ben Kerwin, for assembly and our bed digression. <laughs> Um, yes. what's next? Well, let's put this one to bed and, uh, Ooh. I, what, what is next on our list? Uh, it's the whispers. Shane, you're up. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, do you want to hear about, uh, puppets or communists? But we'll start with the communists. <laughs> communists. Um, Yay. So, uh, the whispers was kind of a, um, uh, I picked this one kind of on a whim, but also kind of because, uh, I recently read, um, 
a book by uh, George Saunders uh, called uh, called A Swim in the Pond in the Rain. Uh, I've always loved the writing of George Saunders, one of America's greatest short story writers. Uh, and he has taught a class on Russian literature for many years. And um, so I, I was enjoying that. And so this one kind of kind of drew me in. Uh, the Whispers is an interactive play. And it's stylistically the way it's set up. It, I have not played something like this before. Um, uh, the Whispers is a interactive play set in Russia in 1938. Um, and it is very much like sitting in the audience of a piece of participatory theater where the audience is voting on what will happen next based on cheering or booing. Um, and so that's, it's a choice based game, but you're interacting with it very much as an audience member. In fact, I grabbed a, a clip here. The introduction by the guide character, I think sets it up very well. He says, this is a truly socialist play. For in this play, it is you, the people, who will decide what happens. It is you, the people, who will step forward and make key decisions that should be yours to make. It's a very simple system. At certain points during tonight's performance, I will come forward and ask you, the people, for your decision on what will happen next. I will present you with the obvious options one by one. You will clap or cheer if you wish for the option that you wish to see acted out. I will judge the option with the most recognition and the actors will perform it. Simple? Let us start with an example. Let's say that our character is considering faking an illness in order to take a day off work. Should his neighbor report him? What is the will of the people? Uh, on the motion of report or don't report, I will hear first those in favor of report. Yay! Secondly, I will hear from those in favor of do, don't report. Uh, yay. <laughs> uh, so the, uh, uh, the, uh, the overall uh, kind of setting is, is Russia in, like I said, 1938, kind of between the wars, um, kind of in the, um, the height of the Russian secret police kind of terrorizing people. I am not an expert on that era of history. I'm, I'm not really a reader of Russian literature. Uh, although I, I guess I now aspire to be having read all this stuff by George Saunders, um, kind of, which takes you through a, a bit of it. Um, I, speaking of Russian plays, Reagan and I have a little bit of experience there back in college. Reagan, oh, you remember? God. You're going to give me PTSD if you bring that up. Uh, which one did you do? We were in, uh, we were in uh, uh, the something in the inspector something. Oh, um, the Tom Stoppard. No, no, it's a it's Russian a, play. We we played. Hang on, we, oh, we played the characters Dobchinsky and Bobchinsky. The Google Inspector General. The Inspector General. That's the. That's no, the is that that's not it? Hang on. Um, it's something like that. I I've forgotten it. It's it's been a long time. It was college. It's embarrassing. The, the government inspector. It's Google. The government, government inspector, inspector. That's it. Yes, this has been a very long time. Inspector. That's I I'm giving myself way too much credit. I I am not a uh, I'm not really educated in in Russian or theater, um, or history. Well, I mean, you know, in college we read and watched a lot of Russian plays, but that's about that's the true. extent of it. Uh, but that said, I, I thought this was very well written. I kind of often forgot that I was reading IF rather than a script. Um, mm. So I was kind of lost on some of the things that really are based on a knowledge of pre-World War II Russian politics, although this very nicely does include a glossary. Um, the main story is about 
a couple named Agnesa and Nikolai. And there's lots of little side stories and lots of little choices to make scene by scene. Uh, ultimately, I would say this is a very dense read and it may not be for everyone. Uh, but if you heard what I've said and are interested, I, I thought it was really well done. What intrigues me, I, I really would like to see, uh, is that this is, it seems, designed to be um, something that can set up a theater company to perform this work. Hmm. So you can do this as an interactive theater, but they do also include an annotated script for potential directors and actors, uh, which I hmm. think is very interesting. So this is um, truly the very first socialist play. Um, I, I <laughs> recommend it. Uh, multiple endings. I think I, I'm, I'm very interested in um, kind of participatory theater that's done in, in interesting ways. Uh, this one is very um, straightforward in terms of its setup, but I think using that setup as a frame for interactive fiction uh, works really well. And um, so I, I definitely would say uh, you, you'll know if this one is for you. Yeah. Did either of you um, watch the Twitch stream of The Seagull on The Sims 4? No. What? <laughs> no. Um, you're like, no, Laura, why would I have seen this? This is something I was really sad to have missed because I, I, I missed it and they, they took it off streaming. It's one of the things I was like, oh, I'll watch the YouTube. And I went and they were like, this video is taken down. But um, uh, uh, Celine Song, who just did um, Past Lives... Are you telling me that like did, Anton Chekhov did like a copyright strike? No, on it, like or? Celine Song, who <laughs> legit is probably going to get nominated, like her stuff's going to get nominated for an Oscar for Past Lives. Um, mm. She did a virtual season during the pandemic where she did a two night, six hour production where she tried to get The Sims 4 to do The Seagull. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder um, how well that went. Where she tried to like get all of the characters to do stuff, like design the characters to work and like tried to like make manipulate them into acting out the seagull in the Sims four. Um, <laughs> That's pretty cool. All right. Yeah. While well, she streamed live on Twitch and everyone like gave examples, like um, she apparently had a like long casting period where she was um, putting uh like hats on people and things like that. So well, just, just like throwing that out as a thing that happened. Easy to set up. If I recall the seagull, the set for the seagull is pretty much just a bunch of chairs on the stage. Um, or at least that's how it's been, been staged famously. Is that right? Mm -hmm. That so Yeah, I know she also used a cheat code because she's like, they're aristocracy. <laughs> They've cheated. <laughs> there you go. So anyway, just Listeners, that exists. Enjoy knowing that exists. <laughs> That's pretty cool. There's no transition. I have no transition. transition. No, there's no transition from that to fixing your to mother's printer, which no. is the next game on our list. Um, so this is the next thing that I played. I, I played this mostly based on what I thought was a really charming uh, like piece of art. You know, the, you know, sometimes you just scroll through the list and, and, and one of the little artworks that they create as the like header image for a game kind of pops off the page at you. And for me, that was uh, fixing your mother's printer. Um, so this is a game by um, Jeffrey Golden and a little bit of um, uh, disclosure. I found it after I'd already played the game. Uh, he may have mentioned it and I didn't didn't pick up on it or, or maybe he didn't and he was being modest. Uh, but it's programmed by Josh Grams, who is one of our patrons on our on our Patreon, which I realized after the fact um, 
Uh, so that didn't bias my opinion on the game, uh, at least not during my playthrough, but perhaps retrospectively. Uh, but anyway, I quite liked Fix Your Mother's Printer. Fix Your Mother's Printer is a uh, it's it's a game pro- made in ink, um, but with a, a really custom interface. So it it looks as if you are sort of have a a window open in a fake um, you know video chat screen for an app called Swoon. And it's just a video call with your mom uh, in which she's asking for your help to fix her printer. And, um, y- you know, you've also got some stuff that you're calling to talk with her about. Um, you know, you're considering a, a change in your career, but she really, really wants you to help her fix her printer before she's willing to talk with you about that. Um, and uh, I mean, this is something that like I, I immediately connected with because like, this is something that I think almost all of us have done, right? Like, you, you know, you have those older people in your life who need a little bit of tech support. Um, and there are different ways that can go for some people like that interaction, you know, having a, you know, a tech support conversation with an elder person in your life is like, you know, an immediate source of dread or something that you loathe. And like, fair enough, like that can be a really annoying thing, but it can also be like a, a thing that you do to care for people in your life. Um, for me, like, you know, my, uh, uh, my mother's not with us. I don't have a parental relationship with somebody who I'm like providing this kind of tech support for, but I have older people in my life. Some of my uncles and aunts, um, you know, who will call me specifically for printer stuff or like, you know, send me a text to ask. I'm constantly calling Reagan for technical help of one kind or another. Yeah. Um, and you know, Some people loathe that, and I personally have never really minded it because it's something that I know I can do, and I know, you know, helps and shows that I care. And, um, you know, like, so it's 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 an act of love that I can do for relatively low effort and um, maybe in some cases high impact. And, you know, I've I've always seen it as sort of like a gift that I, that I have that I can give to people. And I I appreciate that. Um, But like this, this game lets you play out this interaction. However, you personally uh, relate to that type of interaction. Um, There is some like, (laughs) in some ways, the interaction with the mom and this, she's this, by the way, the, the art style was part of what really drew me in the mom is this very like line art illustrated. I don't know how you describe this particular style of art. Uh, it's this sort of like almost like iconography style of portrait art that I always sort of connect with like Japanese subway signs or something like that, right? Like it, it has this sort of like low detail sort of fat lines, rounded, uh, rounded shapes, um, maybe like vaguely anime adjacent, but not um, lots of like disconnected lines, that kind of thing. It's a, it's a it's a very specific art style. Looking at the art you have in the outline, it it's very like instruction mm-hmm. manual, but not childish. Like things are a little bit more detailed than a straight instruction manual, but it's very flat color, um, minimalist background. Um, yeah, if you ha- if you bought like a Nintendo Wii and you like looked in the paperwork and there was a thing like with a little character showing you not to throw your Wii mote at the screen, mm-hmm. they probably looked like this. You know, it's that kind of art <laughs> style. Um, and so anyway, it's just sort of a conversation between you and your mom, um, and she's ex- expressing a lot of frustration. It has some some sort of like light comedy to it. She's she's uh, 
she's really stressed out because she has to print out this illustration that's really important to her for her little like hobby slash retiree career where she's trying to teach about topiary to children to try to keep the bush shaving arts alive which oh come on but um you know she's like she you know she's a retiree with a hobby slash art that she wants to do and and you know you can either mock her for that or or you can you know say how much you admire her for for being an artist you know it's it's nice it gives you it gives you a sort of a full range of options with like how do you relate to this elder in your life who's asking you for help with the printer uh it takes a surprisingly long time to fix this printer uh, it's a complicated printer, I guess. Printers are really tough. Like I, I don't like printer calls. They're like the the lowest on the totem pole of tech support. Yeah, Absolutely. printers as a technology are this bizarre interface between the worlds of the digital and the physical. And like, there are so many. Like, if you were to disassemble a printer and just set all the moving parts aside, um, I think it would. You know, if you lined them up, it would stretch to the moon. And the tolerances and detail uh and that's needed in a modern printer <clears throat> like truly a work of incredible it's like the printers are a masterpiece of miniaturization and uh they they are nothing but loathed for it because <laughs> i know it's awful <laughs> Uh, this is why I've never bought a three. Is there a printer, printer in like, that book I, I, that I that I got you for our birthday, Reagan? I wonder. Oh, there's not as far as I, I saw, but that that was awesome. Shane bought me a my Shane's birthday present to me this year was a book called uh, "Things Fall Apart" or something like or that. Things come uh, apart, I think. Things come yeah, apart. things fall apart is an actual <laughs> work of literature. <laughs> yes, well, things come apart is a photography book of like exploded photography of like um like extremely minutely disassembled objects like old mm-hmm. phones and old Macintoshes and other things like that exploded yeah. into tiny pieces. It, um, I really like, fell in love with that. This is another total diversion, but I, I fell yes. in love with that book. It's uh, this photographer, Todd McClellan, who um, his his style of photography is uh, to just lovingly disassemble uh, everyday objects and carefully uh, lay out every component um, on a large flat surface and then photograph them. Um, mm. And so you, it, it, this, this book, uh, things come apart. This is actually things come apart 2.0 that I gave you, which is like an updated expanded version of the book that has um, basically every cool piece of tech from um, the entire stretch of my lifetime from when I was a kid mm. To things that are brand new. It's a Mac Classic in there. Yeah, the the cover uh, image is the Mac Classic, and he does two styles of of photograph. One is these beautifully laid out images, and then mm. um, the second kind is he'll do these drop photos where he'll take all those pieces that what that once he's finished photographing their them splayed out surgically, um, he'll then just sort of throw them in the air, and then you'll see all of these pieces kind of in motion. Um, in you know h- hanging in space, uh, I really really like this book. I I I I I bought a copy for myself. I got one for Reagan. I recommend it to mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah, nice. I've been enjoying it. Thank you. Um, but yeah, um, I definitely recommend fixing your mother's printer. Um, 
I think it's uh, it's you know it's it's low. On, it's like this is a this is a uh, just a straight up sort of conversation. You know, it's a, it's playing out a conversation. Um, so it's not like there's any like puzzles to be had here or anything. But I think um, it was it was a it was a pleasant time, and it's pretty short. I think it was like 15 minutes maybe. Um, so I would recommend it. And I thought you know well implemented, um, and uh, you know it even has little options like a dark mode if that's something you care about. I mean, nice. it's, just, it's just a nice nicely done thing, and the art looks good, and and I I, I quite liked it. So uh, I would recommend it. So uh, next on the list is a parser called Codename Obscura. Uh, and this is about an hour, uh, unless you do what I did and get kicked off after like five turns. So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so spy game, um, retro pixel art. Interesting. And Reagan, I would like your uh, ears on this um, because this was completely deployed in um, HTML for this. But... Um, and said it was developed in Advent- Adventuron 8-bit compatibility mode. And it was first created in 1987. Um, but they it became too demanding for memory. So eventually ported it to the web. So it's written in Adventuron 8-bit compatibility mode. And it has retro style, like very uh, pixel art graphics. So Interesting. Not- not sure if you know anything about that, but I was like, huh, interesting. First thing you do, it boots up and it asks you if you want music. And I was like, I've always got to pick music. I, so, yes. I have to say, I didn't actually play this one, but I did I did fire it up. And this was mm-hmm. one of the bigger surprises uh, of IF Comp of all time. I was not expecting it to Just like how this. much it completely took over. Like, instantly, I hit that play on the web, and it instantly mm-hmm. takes over my entire computer screen um and makes everything look like it's on like a zx spectrum yeah you have booted up an old console and you're playing it on this is what it feels like so good job uh it, the copyright is actually 1987 comma 2023 so <laughs> i don't know what um mika kujala sorry finland uh for mispronouncing your name uh sorry for assuming you're from finland i just tried to google you and everybody with that last name was from Finland. Oh, so. I just, I'm sorry. I just found the thing. It's a Spectrum game or it was intended. Okay. So the ZX Spectrum is a really interesting old computer. It was mm. extremely low, um, low memory, like, you know, very old 8-bit computer that has a sort of a distinctive look to a lot of the games. Like it had, um, I, I think compared to some other 8-bit computers, I think a relatively high resolution screen and it has, it has like a very particular color palette. Like you look yeah. at the ZX, ZX Spectrum game and like, you know, it's a ZX Spectrum game. It's definitely um, got a specific look uh, and um, it, especially all the way down to the font, you know, yeah. and this uh, is apparently shooting for, there's a, there's a, a new ZX Spectrum computer, like a ZX Spectrum compatible. That's sort of like a retro hobbyist thing coming out mm. at some point called the ZX Spectrum next. That's like compatible with Spectrum games, but has more memory or something. So I, apparently she's developing this for that, which I think is a cool a cool project. Yeah. Um, but it's good that she was also able to do, do an HTML oh, version because how many unsure people are if buy it as the from next? <laughs> Not uh, gender identity. Just sorry for messing up your name oh, yes. and everything. Apologies there. It, um, we don't know. We, we're doing our best with names on a website. Um, yes. But the, uh, this is a old school game in look and feel in that like it's got um, if you all played uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, there's a famous puzzle early on where if you don't do something in X turns, uh, you're just going to end the game. And they have one of those early on in here. 
um, which feels like a callback, but I haven't had that in a long time because I play a lot of friendly modern games. Um, I didn't bounce off. I just was like, oh, the game is over already. Cool. Um, guess I'm going to look at the hint system and figure out what I did wrong. So just warning of that ahead of time. If you're going to do that and get mad, maybe this isn't game for you. There aren't puzzles like that later. Um, but it does have that really old school feel. There's also Italian in it. This game is set in Italy. You're a spy who um, is in your apartment. You hear a gunshot. Next door, your spy friend has been shot and you have to take over his mission. Um, and it's pretty straightforward. Um, that's not saying that the flavor isn't good, but like it's definitely a puzzly parser um, with a lot of like, oh, I need to go get the thing and uh, so I can go put this in the slot. And oh, cool, I need a crucifix for this. Like the puzzles are very, um, uh, like that oh, old school. Is this style. thing set in the same place as Wheels of Aurelia? Because it's it Italian. Is, yes. Oh. It is set in the exact same place. I like that so, game. Okay. Yeah, Aurelia is, uh, from what I can tell, the highway. Um, so it's a little town off of it. Um, but yeah, you are an operator for the turtle organization, the tactical unit for rapid and thorough lethal espionage. So wouldn't if it, that flavor, wouldn't it be cool if Italy was real and not just in indie games that we play? I know, right? Oh, you go everywhere in this little area, though. Like you, the, you have so many locations. Um, if you like the art, there's art for every location. There are. Um, I'm trying not to spoil, but like, I'll say there's ruins. You get to go to a horse track. You can go to uh, a bar. You can go to some really cool places. I don't want to say, um, but like, there's just a lot of different moving around. It feels very spy James Bond. Like you're in a cool location. You're going to go everywhere and you're going to do like one thing in each location and move on. Um, that, that also gives that older feeling of like, um, moving your it's not like you're gonna completely dig into one location forever but you're gonna keep moving around and go to place after place after place um i liked it as a bit of an antidote it feels very different from a lot of the other games in the comp um and the hint system and the walkthrough are both good so uh i used it more than i normally do not because it was hard but because i got a little gun shy after that first unforgiving like the game ended thing i was like oh i'm gonna use hints liberally because i just want to make sure i go through um that said it's only about an hour overall um even with my locking myself out um i think it is definitely worth playing as a i wouldn't say a palate cleanser but if you want something that feels very unlike everything else in the comp. I would check this out. Oh, and to clarify, Aurelia, I know it's the name of the highway. I don't know if it's an actual location, but it's the area. So same area, same vibe. Well, that is that is very cool. I, I'm uh I'm very impressed by the graphics for that. Uh I'm I'm always a little bit um surprised when these games have any graphics at all. And to see it just sort of take over the whole screen um, and have uh, just a, a these very colorful, uh, you know, if severely pixelated um, scenarios. That's very, very cool. I um, saw in a review uh, that there are 
more than 60 hand-drawn images yeah, in the game. That's great. Which is wild for an IF comp entry. Well, one that I am kind of glad did not have uh, art is the game uh, Put Your Hand Inside the Puppet Head. Oh, um, no. <laughs> so uh, there's, I mean, I think there's a there's a strong horror tradition of uh, puppets being horribly creepy. Um, you know, I, I, I remember as a wee lad being terrified by the film Puppet Master. Um, but recently, I have seen several um, prominent examples of uh, creepiness instilled into the kind of puppet that I never found creepy, which is the, the classic Jim Henson um, sock puppet style uh, puppet. And, um, you know, there's there's been uh, I'm trying to remember there was a there's a youtuber screamy game of this style um there was a um an arg called welcome home uh that i was checking out a little while ago that had the same the same vibe uh but the 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 vibe here is this is a hard game to pin down uh put your hand inside the puppet head is a choice-based horror puzzle uh that plays much more like a uh, parser game uh, that is seemingly set inside of like a twisted um, <laughs> truly messed up version of Jim Henson Studios um, where you you have come to this studio um, in order to you know with with a with a guy in a van and you're going to be extracting the puppets and I mean this is not really a twist but you get in there and you, you solve some very simple initial exploration uh based stuff you don't get a key and eventually you're going to get a puppet and as soon as you put the puppet on your hand it comes to life um and <laughs> so there's there's an element of Does it come to life separate from you or yes is it, like, it has its own okay. voice its own it is its own character um there's um m certainly more than a dozen i don't know exactly how many there's more than a dozen puppets in this game and each of them has their own uh role and you uh the the player have but two hands uh and your goal <laughs> is uh to extract 10 or more puppets uh from this place the gameplay mm. is really weird um you know it, it has that kind of go north go south kind of interaction to it um it's very easy because, like I said, it's choice-based. You're making selections just by clicking the, the text. So you're, there's not a lot of that hunt the noun. But you will really want to have a map. And the reason is the gameplay is basically Pac-Man. Uh, this place is laid out like a kind of grid-ish. Um, and throughout this maze of this studio, uh, there are the guards, which are basically monsters uh, that are color coded, much like the Pac-Man ghosts. Like there's a red one and blue one, mm. and you know, I, I, you know, I forget which colors I actually saw, but yeah, they're everywhere. Um, and each of the puppets has its own abilities and its own um, personality, and um, you know, it's. Uh, I I didn't find it quite as scary as all that. There is certainly some horror elements and some body horror, but you're not really as is, I think is probably appropriate for something like that, you're, for something of this kind of genre mashup, you're not truly in that much danger. What happens if you are uh, gotten 
by the monsters is they take your puppets away. Um, and uh, so I, I did not really, I did not complete this one. Um, but it's mainly because I spent a, a large chunk of my time with it, trying to figure out how the puzzles were supposed to work. And it took me a long time to realize that like, when I, you know, I'm comparing this to, to Pac-Man, you have to learn the movement patterns of these um, monsters. They are they are moving in very carefully. They're moving in very repeatable uh, movement patterns through their area. And, uh, you know, dodging them is a big part of it. Um, if you are struggling with this game, what you should do, and uh, what I did not do until later, uh, before I was almost ready to, almost out of time to play it, uh, is go to the guy that's in the van and ask him for advice because he is a font of information. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I, I like sketchy guy in the van. I, I like this game a lot. It is it's creative. It's weird. Uh, it's easy to play. Um, the puzzles I liked. They're not too hard. Um, the the fact that you have these puppet characters um, is cool. Uh, another thing that I like, you know, if you go into the place to kind of explore with no puppets at all, um, the enemies don't come after you at all. Um, so you really can explore the the enemies are after the puppets, not you. So um, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good one. I, I recommend it. I'm probably going to rate it fairly highly um, in, if I get back to it and put enough time into it to to give it an honest rating. But you know, for the podcast here, I'll, I'll go ahead and give it a, a big thumbs up. Excellent. Um, from p- putting your hands inside puppet heads to Dick McButts, that's why I attempted a transition. <laughs> it's just the two titles. There's no transition to Dick There's McButts. There's no transition. Um, Dick McButts Gets Kicked in the Nuts is the title of one of the games in the comp this year. Uh, that is all caps. Dick McButts gets kicked in the nuts. I'm going to say that a bunch of times because I love Dick saying McButts it out loud gets kicked because in it's the nuts. poetry. Dick McButts gets kicked in the nuts is the most perfect poetry I've seen in the comp. Um, so this is a weird one. Um, there's a couple of things about it that are very beautiful notable. rhyming so, couplet of a name. I love it. I love it. I was saying this on the Discord, uh, so I hope folks won't will forgive me for repeating myself. But there's something there's something Shakespearean about the title Dick McButts. I don't care if you forget in the repeating myself. I'm gonna say Dick McButts gets kicked in the nuts again. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna say it again and again. It it's it's all it's not Assonance, only it's confidence. It's, it's almost there. It's <laughs> almost uh, it's almost a pentameter. Did you say ass? <laughs> I said assonance. <laughs> <laughs> Consonances, yeah. Like it just like, sounds great. It's great. It's such a good title. It's it's uh, it's got the crudeness is is a perfect. It's a perfect measure of crudeness and a perfect measure of like um. It's it just it's just perfect. So um. I don't know who Hubert Janus is, but he has a knack for um, whatever this is. Um, but this is a really weird troll. It's something we talk about a lot in this. It, sometimes people enter like troll games in the comp, right? Sometimes they do it under pseudonyms. There's no rule against that. I have in the past uh, been stumped by puzzles and accused non-troll games of being troll games. I am sorry. <laughs> well, there's something in this game that I think is very a very deliberate troll, or at the very least a play for the uh, the coveted golden banana of Discord. If you happen to be new to the comp, you may not be aware. There is a sort of unofficial uh, like award given 
uh, called the Golden Banana of Discord, which is a an award for the game with the highest deviation, uh, sorry, highest standard deviation in score, uh, which is basically the most controversial game. You know, if it gets all like ones and all and tens in equal measure, then it would have a high standard deviation. Um, so I think this may be a play for that because the author of this did one very specific weird thing that I happened to fall prey to. One third to two thirds of the folks who play this game get the standard version of the game, which I'll describe in a moment. Uh, one third of the pers- of the people that play this game will get a different version of the game entirely. And which version of the game you get is random chance and is saved by your browser. So unless you go to some extremes and try things like loading the game in a private window, you will always get whichever version of the game you initially get. And there's no warning up front about this? There's no warning up front about it. It doesn't say anything about it. The only description on the game other than Dick McButts gets kicked in the nuts is it's exactly what it sounds like. Content (laughs) warnings are flashing images, crude humor, testicular trauma, and Hitler. Um, So one aspect of that, flashing images, is specific to the quote-unquote bad version, which is the one that I got first. So you boot this game up, and it features the the stick man drawing of Dick McButts getting kicked in the nuts in alternating, like, second-long flashes between, like, pink or magenta and like lime green and it's it's like flashing like a like it's trying to induce uh, a seizure and then on top of that is projected at various angles it keeps switching the angle of the text as if it was like moving around in weird random ways uh and as you click through it and the text is basically like a poorly spelled, poorly proofread, um, weirdly bad grammar description of like Dick McButts getting kicked in the nuts by first Hitler and then uh, Darth Vader shows up and kicks you in the nuts and et cetera, et cetera. And it goes on for quite a long time, but it's it's like zero interactivity. Now, I will say... I was cackling at it. It's like, it's just the level of like low humor that was like just, it was just awful enough that I was like, this is fucking hilarious. Like, I I don't know why, but something about it was very, very funny to me, even though I was playing what I turned out to Perhaps be like. Perhaps it was all the kicking version. in the nuts. Perhaps <laughs> it was that, you know? <laughs> Maybe it was. Um but it's yeah, it's it's basically exactly what it sounds like. Dick McButts gets kicked in the nuts again and again and again. It's Max Dick right in the fucking nuts! Exclamation point! Exclamation <laughs> point! Exclamation point! Lots of that kind of thing. Anyway, I played through that. Then I found out later. Oh, I got the bad version, oh, and I no. played it again. And I played it in a private window, and I got a much more calmly presented choice-based interactive fiction game. It is still about Dick McButts, but the first line of this is in a very staid way. It's on a black background with soothing purple text. Dick McButts is concerned about the title of this story. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, it is a choice-based narrative wherein you play as Dick McButts trying to avoid getting kicked in the nuts. He's sitting in a Chinese restaurant He's known all his life that he's going to get kicked in the nuts because everyone knows that Dick McButts gets kicked in the nuts. And so um, 
he opens a, a fortune cookie and it says, today's the day, Dick. And then you have a number of choices <laughs> mm. where you have to try to escape being kicked in the nuts. And no matter what you do, you get kicked in the nuts. Um, and it's got more branches and more options than you would expect. Now, I didn't play through the game many times. I think I played through it three or four times. And I got a few different versions of, of the ending. For example, I waited around thinking, if I'm perfectly still, what will happen to me? And of course, the Terminator shows up and it has a rocket propelled nut kicking leg and it kicks straight through the table and into my nuts. Um, but you can try a lot of different approaches. You can leave the restaurant you're in at various different times. You can try all sorts of different ways to flee your fate. Um, all of them ending in Dick McButts getting kicked in the nuts. Um, I, 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 from what I gather from reading some other reviews of this game, uh, there are uh, many endings, including a true ending that I definitely didn't see. Um, so there's there's more to this than meets the eye, not only if you got the regular version, but if you happen to get the quote unquote bad version that is like minimally interactive and visually distinctly trying to make you hate it, um, you know, try this again in a private window. That said, I think the bad version was funnier. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I know... I know they're both like they're. I don't know. It, it, it's a weird. It's a weird thing. But like, I cackled at the like extremely bad version, and the other version, I chuckled. They were both funny, but I don't know. The, Some of the, the like, submissions for IF Comp can be very serious. You know, yes. Uh, yes. plays on uh, <laughs> interactive Russian plays. Uh, there's all sorts of. There's all sorts of very serious things, and. To see something that is both uh, aiming for just a cheap laugh um, and then also trying to manipulate the comp itself into um, stealing <laughs> the coveted banana is is very <laughs> funny to see. I, I agree. So I applaud Hubert Janus. Whatever he's trying to do here, I like it. Um, well, hmm, wait, did you say Janus? Yeah. Because isn't that the... The two faced guy, two faces, <laughs> much oh. like Dick McButts gets kicked in I'm the nuts. Quite, I'm quite sure it's a uh, it's a pseudonym. Now that you mention it, I bet it's a pseudonym. I wonder who's. Um, but and if it's not a case. pseudonym, kudos on that. Uh, that it is it, an there's a there's a name for the pre there's a name for when you your last name predestines you to a nominative career. determinism. Nominative determinism. Thank you for the save, Reagan. But uh, yeah, Dick McBuds does indeed get kicked in the nuts, and uh, it's it's worth the fifteen minutes it'll take you to click through it. So, uh, just to try your luck and see which version you get, honestly, give that a try at the very least. Um, Laura, do you have next? Yes, I do. And uh, speaking of nominative determinism, um, Johnny Montana must be a cowboy. Correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, All the Troubles Come My Way, or Johnny Montana and His Missing Cowboy Hat by Sam Dunachi, is a little, just a little game, like half an hour with replays. Um, it is basically that you are a cowboy who has shown up in New York City. It is not about how you ended up in New York City. It is not about going back. You just live in New York City now, modern New York City, despite being from 1883, and you are just trying to get through your day. Um, and, but you don't feel like yourself without your hat. So 
Again, you're not trying to time travel back. You are literally just trying to get your hat back and not get yourself hungover. Um, the uh, skills system, this is a choice-based game, but they do have stats. And your stats are things like rodeo, cowboy <laughs> justice, um, southern charm, uh, and then different things you drink can have different effects on the stats or different things you do. Uh, I went pretty high on cowboy justice and rodeo because how could I not the description of rodeo rodeo is your force of will on this earth. It's the feeling you get after roping a particularly wild cow or the satisfying feeling you get when you purposefully walk a little bit too loud. The universe is yours and rodeo is the vessel through which you interact with it. It's that instincts based <laughs> act first and ask questions. Never feelings. Cowboys need other people might call it stupidity, but you're walking too loud to hear them. <laughs> I love it. And if you love that, uh, the whole game is just that it's just vibes. It's cowboy vibes. Uh, you were trying to do very simple things like get out of the bathtub you're sleeping in and figure out where your hat is. Um, you can choose the first replay. I never left the house. Uh, second replay, I guess light spoilers for a 30 minute game, but you can do a playthrough where you don't leave the house. Um, I ended up in my second play uh, in Times Square. Uh, as someone who lives in New York, I never want to be in Times Square, um, <laughs> but I laughed really hard, like disrupting the game rhythm hard at the phrase Times Square smells like burning plastic and money. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it does smell like burning plastic and money. Like, um, I do disagree, though. They said it was everybody there was from New York. And I was like, maybe this cowboy thinks that, but I disagree. Um, people who live there do not want to be there. Um, anyway, it's light. It's fun. Um, I enjoyed, I found a couple ways to get my hat back and I enjoyed all of them. Um, I am keep saying that it's about getting your hat back because I think I thought this was going to be a bigger game. And when it ended after I got my hat, I was like, oh, that's it. But the 30 minutes is multiple playthroughs. And I think the writing is just charming as heck. Yeah. I played through a bit of this as well. Um, co-signed i don't have anything to add because i don't think i played enough endings or what have you i mean but, it's um, light like that's the thing like i like a tight fun well-written under an hour game and i've been playing a lot of heavy parsers so this was a really nice uh accompaniment to my parser palette which i've been going pretty hard on um i need to find a couple more choice based ones to round out my if comp 2023 experience so please tell me if you've got any choice based ones especially ones on the lighter side that i should check out holler at your girl also this made me think like there's not enough stories about cowboys from the 1800s transported to modern america just hanging just hanging out yeah I think we need more of that. hundred percent. So I think that's it for us this week. We've got, uh, we, we've covered a number of different games here and uh, we'll be back soon with some more, um, probably before the end of the comp, but maybe just after. Uh, if you have listeners, if you have games that you're interested in in the comp, either ones that you haven't played and you want to hear us talk about, or maybe you have played them and you want to tell us what's good, uh, let us know. Best way to do that is to become a patron of the show and get on our Discord. We have a channel for IF Comp that'll be running throughout the season. Uh, so you can go to 
shortgame.fm or patreon.com slash the short game. Either way, there'll be a big thing there where you can subscribe to our Patreon and all of our patrons at any level get instant access to our Discord. We love all of our patrons. Thank you so much for supporting the show. It really means a lot to us. It helps us do what we do, uh, offsets the cost of things like equipment upgrades and uh, server fees and all of the other stuff that uh, that make this show happen. Uh, and it does add up. So we really do appreciate that support. Um, but also, most of all, we appreciate our patrons for joining us on the Discord, where they really are a huge asset to the show in just being a community for us to bounce ideas off of, get suggestions of games. It's really a great online hang, and it's something that we really, really value about doing this show. So if you think that might be at all fun for you, please join us there. Um, you can also find all the stuff for the show on shortgame.fm. That includes links to all the various different podcast platforms. Have you left a show, review for the show? Have you done it lately? Have you done it on every podcast platform? There's a real challenge for you. Mm. Uh, do that. Um, those reviews really mean a lot to us. We do see them. Uh, we read them. But also, they help uh, surface the show to new audiences. And that's something that we really appreciate. Uh, we love doing IF Comp. It does occasionally bring us new listeners. Um, so we appreciate if you happen to be checking out the show because we're, you know, doing the comp and you're curious about it there. So thank you so much. If you're a new listener, please join us, hang out, check out maybe the back catalog. If there's any games in there that you're curious about, we try to keep our stuff evergreen. If you go back and listen to stuff, we keep all the old episodes up and available. And uh, if you have old episodes that you're curious about that you want to check out, you know, games that you've liked in the past, uh, give them a listen. Um, most of those very, very old episodes, sound quality is a little worse. Maybe our opinions are a little more embarrassing, but we're standing by them. Check it out. Um, you can find me on the internet at reagan.me. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N dot me. And that's got links to all of my various different socials. I'm on Mastodon. I'm on Blue Sky. I'm on tw uh, Threads. Um, I don't post a whole lot on most of those, but you can reach me there. You can also find me on Discord there if you just want to add me and chat with me there. I don't mind people DMing me, at least yet. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me most places at Laura J. Nash. Uh, lurk most commonly on Mastodon and Blue Sky. And Shane, where can people find you? Uh, these days I am most active on our Discord, but you can find me on Mastodon at Shane at bird.rodeo uh, and on threads at 8bitshane. And listeners, thank you once again for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. <laughs>